Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 17 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who still can't tell the Morris twins apart somehow, even though they're on different teams now. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Hey, I'd just like to have a big shout-out for Kansas City native and former UCLA Bruin, Earl Watson on being the Phoenix Suns backup plan to a guy who doesn't even coach. <laughs> Maybe now Earl can afford to give his baby's mother and former my wife and kids actress a little more than twenty five hundred a month in child support now that he's balling. Yeah, absolutely. It pays to be a head assistant coach wherever he is now. So we are going to get into our show today. We have a couple of things we want to talk about. We are going to go uh, while we're watching, while you're watching TNT with the Toronto Raptors, of course, and then we have a little game we want to play with t- maybe some teams that are one piece away from contending. But we're going to start have a new start to our show from now on. We're going to start with a hot topic, and as we all know, the No Look Pass podcast loves passes, so we are going to start and call this segment the Outlet Pass, which is always the first pass of any pass break. So our Outlet Pass this week is obviously the All Star teams were announced this week. And as always, there were murmurs around media and fans. Some deserving players were left out of the game. In the interest of time, we're going to split the conferences between us. Andy will begin by telling you who he thought was maybe left out of the Eastern Conference, or maybe he agrees with the whole roster. So, Andy, uh, Eastern Conference, who do we got? You know, I, I tried real hard, and I wanted to have some big uh, ordeal here on the show. But I really can't see anything wrong with the Eastern Con- Conference roster. You know, I do think as – Usual, there are a few guys who were probably worthy and were left off, but I don't see anything egregious here. I mean, a couple of the big ones for me were probably Kemba Walker and Reggie Jackson were the two that really stood out. We're talking teams who are, you know, currently sitting in playoff spots, and the numbers are there. But are either players – I mean, you start to look at a guy like Isaiah Thomas, and he seems to be the one that you could possibly replace, but – Right. The numbers are, are pretty identical between the three players. And, I mean, I guess at this point you could say Isaiah's team's got a slightly better record than Detroit. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm, I'm keeping the East. I'm, I'm buying it for once. I have no complaints. Of, I mean, I, I seen play, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little peeved with Melo as a starter. I think there could have been other guys. But, I mean, the, the roster top to bottom, I'm, I'm not upset, no. Yeah, I mean, if we're going starters or reserve, obviously I think you can make a uh, case for Jimmy Butler over Melo as a starter, but that, that would just be my only qualm. But I agree. And in the Western Conference, just to uh, kind of recap it a little bit, the reserves we have, Marcus Aldridge, Bookie Cousins, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, CP3, James Harden, and Draymond Green. And I actually went the same way as you, Andy. I I don't disagree with any of them. I think uh, I agree with the list from top to bottom. You, can, you can't leave... Anthony Davis off just because he's surrounded by bumps. I mean, the numbers are still there. He's all-star worthy to me. You can make a case for Dane Lillard over maybe even Kobe. And I'm not normally a Lifetime Achievement Award guy, but Kobe is one of the five best players of our generation, and he deserves to get his last chance, in my opinion. If Dane is smart, and at all signs point to that he's a wise business guy, you see him in all the commercials that we talked about when we went over to Portland Trailblazers, you give him $20, and he'll pretty much say whatever you want because Dane Lillard's going to be like that. Uh so if he was really smart, I mean, he would be wise to just pull a Katniss from Hunger Games and, and, and just... I volunteer as tribute! Because let's face it, those Kobe stands, they're going to be free agents at the end of the season. So if Dame Liver comes out and says, you know what, Kobe deserves it, I don't even want to be in the game, just let Kobe play, 
he can have my spot, even though like people are saying, I uh, it should be me, it should be me instead of him. To say no, let Kobe play. The next season, when all those Kobe stands are looking for a new guy to root for, they'll be like, yo, that guy Dave Lillard, he really uh, he had Kobe's back. I like that. I like what you did there. That's that's a nice little spin. Yeah, yeah. You see what I did there? So that that's our opinion on the All Star game. I guess we're we're pretty content. You know, normally we're we we uh. We normally have a lot of snubs, but this year, Andy and I are totally content, which is very rare for us. So we're going to move on to our While You Were Watching TNT segment. So while you were watching TNT, we were also watching TNT, apparently, because we watched the Toronto Raptors, who played Thursday night against the New York Knicks on TNT. Uh, We caught them with a three-game homestand while we watched. They were versus Washington at home, against the Knicks at home, as I just mentioned, and against the Pistons at home. Went 3-0, currently on an 11-game winning streak as of this recording, but they are losing in Denver currently, so that might come to an end by the time you hear this. Andy Flint, how many Toronto Raptor games did you watch? I caught a little bit of the next game. was the only one I didn't catch all of, but I watched the uh, entire Washington game and the Pistons game as well. It was a good week. Okay. The curse is over. Yeah, yeah the curse is over. A 3-0, hottest team probably arguably in the league. And I also actually caught all three. I only caught the second half of the Detroit game. I thought it was a good kind of – I wish there was a road game in there for them, but I thought it was a good kind of scope because they're all Eastern Conference teams that they might possibly meet in the first round depending on the standings turn out and if the Washington Wizards can somehow turn around whatever their disaster is. So what were your impressions of of the Toronto Raptors here? I mean, 11 11 – Wins in their last 11 games is is pretty astonishing. Obviously, they have the league's best uh, win streak right now. As you said, they're losing to Denver. You win win every game. (laughs) They're losing to Denver. I mean, they're going to be at Phoenix, at Portland. Uh, You know, ideally, they might drop one of those now that they're on a road trip. I'm hoping they can pull it out past the Portland game because that'll mean they have not lost in a month. They're they're that close at this point, which is kind of astonishing in, in this game today. I, I think they're good, and they're clicking at the right time because Cleveland obviously is on like a, a three- or four-game streak now with, with Tyron Lewis. Made all the difference in the world. Tyron Lewis, best coach ever. Um, so I think for Toronto to be doing the same thing, and they're on their heels with only, I think they're like three games back to Cleveland right now. I think this is the right time. And DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, if people weren't already aware, this is one that – bad duo in in the backcourt. I feel like, you know, we, we talked about all the, the last couple of years it's been all Curry and Clay or Beal and John Wall, and I feel like often enough these guys get kind of, you know, left and they're balling. I mean, uh, Jonas Valanciunas has been great this season. They, they just got a lot of little pieces, but I think for the most part we're seeing the, the Kyle and DeMar show, and it's it's not disappointing. It's fun to watch. Oh, Canada. My wife wants to move there, and maybe I'm a fan now. Oh wow, your wife wants to move there. I got I got something on that later. But I think you started off in the, in the right place, which is uh, Lowry and the Rose. And I think we're pretty comfortable at this point saying they are the second best backcourt in the league. I know earlier when we did the Phoenix Suns, we had a discussion about maybe Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe. Obviously, that has imploded since then, and that's always been sort of a battle. You know, you have John Wall and Bradley Beal, but Bradley Beal can't really stay healthy. So I'm I'm pretty confident saying that Lowry and Rosen are the second best backcourt in the league right now. But as you know, I always notice the off-the-court stuff. So the first thing I immediately notice, Andy, and, and I need an answer on this from you, how expensive is Juicy Fruit in Canada? Because Juicy Fruit is like the official sponsor of the Raptors. In in, in America, Juicy Fruit's like a quarter. 
So I don't know how many quarters, how many people chew. I don't know how many people chew gum in Canada, but I don't know how Juicy Fruit has enough money. They're they're even on the top of the backboard, like you know the little logo on the top of of the backboard for the, the official sponsor. It's just all over the place. Just Juicy Fruit all over the place. I don't understand it. That is that's that's kind of odd. I mean, so Juicy Fruit is the the official gum of the north, while Chicklets are the official gum down south. Because I swear, when I went to Mexico. Chicklets were everywhere. I hadn't seen a chicklet in a decade. <laughs> chicklets and juicy fruit, baby. I've never had a chicklet in my life. So the other thing I noticed about the actual team is that they're not a good individual defensive team. Like I don't think anybody's really a good defender team. They, you know, they really cover. They make good rotations. But I wouldn't. I would probably call them all maybe average defenders. Maybe Lowry is a little above average. I would say he is kind of a pest. You know, he gets he's a very good uh, ball hawk. You know, he gets a lot of steals. Uh, did you notice that at all? Like whether they, you thought they were a good defensive team or not? I mean, I think that you know it kind of shows in the stats a little bit. I, I was just actually looking at this a little before we came on. I'm looking down through this sea of green because they just have a ton of W's. You got to go all the way back to that January 4th game against the Cavs to find a loss. But if you look at a lot of these, I mean. 74, 88, 95, uh, 103 was the magic, but that was an overtime game. Uh, 100 against the Nets, 81. I mean, most of these games, they're holding teams to less than 100 points, which is obviously, especially in the league today, the, the way these teams score and they shoot the ball, uh, I think it's impressive. But you're right. I don't see anybody. I think uh, Valanciunas does a very good job of, kind of just being there and being very big. He doesn't necessarily have any athleticism, but he's he's just kind of a wall. And I think yeah. Lowry is a pest, like you said. Lowry's kind of got a, a larger body, too. He's got a wide frame, so I think that, you know, helps him stay in the way. And the, the rest of it just kind of falls, you know, into place. I think they do have Patrick Patterson, I think, is an intense guy when he's in the game. Uh, Louis Scola is obviously a, a – a crafty defender is what I'll say. Uh, Bismack Biombo can play D. I do, they do have some guys. I just don't – I think when you see, like, DeMar DeRozan and maybe, like, a James Johnson, and I don't necessarily think of, like, great defense from these players, but you've got guys that are playing, you know, more minutes or in the starting lineup. But I, I think DeRozan probably has a little bit of the Rudy Gay where, you know, he gets in the lanes because he's athletic and he's quick and he gets some steals, and that generates fast breaks. And him and Lowry are great on the fast breaks. So – I do think there is something to say about the collective defense. Uh, I think it's it's much better than if you just look at the names on a piece of paper and think of what those guys would be as a defensive unit. Right, exactly. And you brought up two names that I wanted to talk about, which kind of touch on just for a little bit. James Johnson is one who I watch him play, and he's the kind of the exact kind of player that I really like. That you know, if I were building a team, I would want. But I don't understand how he's not good. It's like I watch him play, and he should be good. He does all the things that I think makes a player good. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's good, and I don't know why. Probably just because of the inconsistency. But I love guys that just drive to the rim like a – even like a Tyreek Evans. I love Tyreek Evans. I love watching him play. I like his game. If I were to build a team, I would want a guy like Tyreek Evans, except, you know, somebody that actually could stay on the court for more than three games at a time and actually had some consistency and maybe even a jump shot would be nice. The other guy is Luis Scola. So I think Luis Scola is just the constant on this team, along with the backcourt. Obviously, DeRozan and Lowry are going to get you their numbers, right? Uh, and then I think Scola is that other piece. He's the guy that he knows the plays. You know, he can kind of tell other guys where to go to be in position. And he just has a very consistent game. You know what you're going to get from Luis Scola. You're going to get nice, pretty post moves. 
He can hit a nice jumper. He's going to be quality defensive. You know, he's not going to he's not going to block any shots or anything like that. But he's going to make a quality rotation and all that. So I really like what Luis Scola brings to this team. I think he's the kind of guy where in the playoffs in a big series, you'll see him in crunch time over maybe a guy like a James Johnson, for example, just because you need guys that are just going to be solid and know what you can expect from them, especially in a playoff setting. So here's, I mean, here's a, a very valid question. I think at this point, um, Damari Carroll, we're, we're obviously talking it. a guy, you know, we, we didn't get to see him play when we were watching it all here. Um, what do you think his impact is? Obviously, he's missed at this point. They're on the streak, and it's funny, and, and I talk about how they haven't lost in nearly a month, and he's not played that entire time. So I'm a huge Damari Carroll fan. I mean, I don't know, I know. If, you, if you remember in the offseason that I was just telling people, like, Damari Carroll, this is, this is the guy that you need. But I think he's, he's going he's gonna to add to that, to the same thing that Luis Scola like I just talked about Luis Scola, Demari Carroll is that guy, only he's in his prime, he's younger, he's more talented than, say, Luis Scola maybe even was in his prime. So he's just going to add that, that that other piece. So I think in a playoff situation, and a, uh, the other thing with Demari Carroll is he's a guy that can defend your LeBron Jameses, can defend your uh, Draymond Green, Paul George is the other name I was trying to think of. Jimmy you know, Butler, I mean, even guys like Wade. Jimmy Butler, right. Right, so he's going to be that guy for them. Plus, he can stretch the floor, and he's going to be part of that crumb time lineup. I mean, I think in the at the end of the day, you're going to have Lowry, DeRozan, Carroll, Scola, and I want to say Valanciunas, but I'm still not quite sure about it. They might go small. But that's going to be your crunch time lineup. So he's going to bring all that to the team once he gets back. The other thing I wanted to bring up is I, I'm sure you, you said you saw the Washington game. Obviously, at the end, there was uh, a scare with the whole team where Kyle Larry looked like he might have broken his hand. I would have loved to have the a rest. camera in a, yeah. Love to have a camera in a Toronto bar where Andy, well, mostly me because Andy has, himself is a married man, might have been offered some adult entertainment when we were in Toronto. Uh, and, you know, when, when Kyle Lowry went to the locker room, I would love to have just had a camera in that bar. So let me, let me tell the story because I don't want to get Andy in trouble here. So Andy and I were sitting at a bar in Toronto and a, a couple of young ladies came up to us, and I'm not going to say that they were uh, prostitutes, but they did hypothetically they were, prostitutes. they were prostitutes. All right, so this is the debate Andy and I had after. They did hypothetically discuss that if they were prostitutes, they had very specific pricing on different options in which you can employ them if they were prostitutes. So I'm not going to say that they were, but I would have loved to have a camera in that bar when Kyle Lowry is just running to the locker room because it looked like he broke his wrist and the whole Raptor season was about to implode. <laughs> you know, I was going to tell that story today. I didn't my bad talking for you. You know, we have to tell that story being that we're talking about the Raptors, and that was probably that, – that was like one of the single most greatest things because if you do remember correctly, the girls introduced themselves as just a couple of chicks that were on their first date. Yes, that's you, right. Yeah. It, it was it was great and the and the and the Lowry thing was scary. The funniest part was is he came back the next game and played like forty one minutes. So it was like, hey, the risk yeah. was good. I was surprised that he even played because I wasn't even expecting him to take the court. When I looked and I just turned the game on, it was the TNT game. I was like, oh, Lowry's playing. I thought they were just holding him out even precautionarily just because of the way it looked when he ran into that locker room. It was really scary. So it was like uh, Paul, Paul Pierce all over again. Oh, yeah, wheelchair and all. Uh, unless you have something else to add, I'm going to get to the elephant in the room question. 
I did have one thing real quick because you had mentioned uh, Jonas Valanciunas, and usually I, I, over the years, haven't really necessarily been a huge fan of this guy. I've been kind of critical of him. I think you talked something about them playing the, the smaller lineups. I almost think that they kind of have an Andrew Bogut in, in Valanciunas. They're kind of the same build. And I look back at Bogut's numbers, and I can't re- remember them, you know, 100% of the way. But when he played in Milwaukee, I mean, Valanciunas is getting something like 12 and 10. And I feel like that's a really Bogut-esque line from back in his Milwaukee days. So I, I think there's something to be said about that. And I think he's played, his PER is up above 20 at this point. I never thought I'd see that. But that, that, was, my, that was my closing argument on, on yeah. uh, Toronto as far as going small. Yeah, the only thing with that is that when they go small, and maybe maybe Scola's the guy that takes the bench. Maybe I'm just way too much of a Louis Scola fan, but they play Corey Joseph a lot in crunch time. So I don't know who gets to sit. You know, maybe, like I said, maybe it is Louis Scola in place of Corey Joseph, and you go big that way. But it just seems like maybe Valanciunas is going to be the odd man out, especially as teams go small in the playoffs and stuff like that. But which brings us to the playoffs, and my elephant in the room question as I was watching them, obviously on this streak. You brought up that they're only three games behind the Cavaliers, even though they are just about to lose to the Denver Nuggets right now, so they are not on an 11-game winning streak anymore as of this second. Uh, what is their ceiling? That, that's my question. Can they challenge the Cavs? Because all season we've been looking for the second team, you know, this team that's going to challenge the Cavs in the Eastern Conference. I'm on record as saying the Cavs will be down 3-2, 2-1 in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So are the Toronto Raptors the kind of team that can do it? What do you think? I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. I, I think they can challenge the Cavs. I think that if you ask me right now if they were playing each other tomorrow starting a seven-game series, I'm still picking Cleveland, and I'm still coming to that conclusion rather easily. But right. I think that they have something for them. I think that the, the backcourt, you talk about a guy like Lowry playing good defense. He would He's going to push Kyrie. Uh, you know, they need Carroll because they have to – if they don't have Carroll, they can't guard LeBron. They can't even begin to think about it. DeMar DeRozan isn't doing anything out there defensively. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do. I, I think that they could they could scare the Cavs a little bit. And, you know, playing yeah. – we saw last year, playing in Toronto isn't necessarily scary. Uh, the Wizards proved that. But I think this is a bit of a different team. They're more mature, and, and, and I do. I think they could give Cleveland a run for the money. See, I, I tend to agree. I really like this team, even though I hate that I like this team, just because as a Nets fan, you know, the the Nets, if, if they do have a rival, it's not really the Nets. It has been more so the Raptors, especially with Paul Pierce and KG and that whole series. Uh, so it really, it really disheartens me to really like this team as much as I do, especially Kyle Lowry. I really hate Kyle Lowry. Uh, he just complains so much to the referees. He's he's like a clipper in the making. I, I swear he's going to be a clipper one day. But they really they really do. They have the makeup to to challenge the Cavs, like you brought up. It, it's not only the fact that they're on this winning streak, but like you're saying, they have a good matchup for them. You know, they have a guy like Valanciunas who who can probably make a difference in that series, considering they the Cavs don't really have great post defense. You know, Mozgov is is all right. Uh, Tristan Thompson is more of a defensive rebounder more than he is a post defender. So Valentinus could could gobble up some points and, and some rebounds in that series and kind of make a difference. Like you're saying, they got Carroll to guard LeBron. The backcourt, you can't really hide. Uh, you can't hide Kyrie, who too, has a record of being a bad defensive player, even though in the finals before he got hurt, he decided he was just going to be a great defensive player against Steph for like three and a half quarters. So who knows I remember what that. Kyrie we're going to see. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. 
So who knows what Kyrie we're going to see. But I, I think it would be a good series. I think that series goes at least six games. And like I said, I can see very easily see it being 3-2 Toronto, and they're going into Toronto game six. And who knows what happens at that point when you have LeBron James. And even though it's back against the wall game six on the road, they can still obviously win it. But I can very much see that scenario happening. Yeah, I'm so with you. We are going to, yeah, so we're going to move on here. Uh, as you know, the trade deadline is coming. And next week, we are, we're, this is sort of a preview for our segment next week. So right now, we want to tell you because, as the great Nas once told us, that, you know, Yo, all I need is one mic, one piece. All he needed was one mic. And some teams, all they need is one piece. So we're going to play a game called All They Need Is One Piece. And, Andy, who is your team that all they need is one piece to start contending? Oh, I've been so torn on this one. And I'm about 85% sure I'm giving you a piece for the Pistons next week. But it could be the Kings. It could be both. <laughs> Maybe a, a Kings-Pistons trade. <laughs> I just, it it I, may I just be. see something in, in the works there. So Kings or Pistons? Any yeah. any thoughts on on like what what kind of uh, you know what what kind of piece that they need or you know I mean who, who I think what, what? I think the Pistons obviously need that I think they need a go to score who can just you know do nothing but put the ball in the cup that needs to be done I think Reggie Jackson has been pretty good this year he's averaging around twenty a game uh, as well as uh, our boy Andre Drummond but I still don't think that either of them are you know that the last second you need a bucket, I can count on this guy every time down the stretch. And, and you know, I do think they also need that extra, you know, maybe their big three of their own. So I, I do think they need something like that. The Kings, I, I I just think they need somebody stable in there to kind of make the personalities <laughs> mesh because they have the talent. I, I just think they're just lacking that, you know, maybe that one coach on the floor, that, that character guy, or just somebody to, to bring them together. Yeah, I enjoyed that you were trying to come up with the most politically correct term for, for what the, the Kings need instead of just saying, like, they need somebody that's not named Rudy Gay on their team. That's pretty much what you were getting at, so, which is fine. I didn't I, say I, that. I think, yeah, I don't think any trade may, may, may have Rudy Gay in the inner workings of it. So, in the interest of not cheating and just going totally Raptors, um, I will have a Raptors trade for you next week, I guarantee it, because we're going we're gonna to have a couple of trades, you know, whatever, we do what we want. So we might have a couple of the trades for, for a couple of teams. but uh, So I didn't go with the Raptors just because I felt like it'd be cheating to talk about the Raptors and then just say the Raptors need another piece. The team that I went with, which I think is a huge opportunity for them, is the Boston Celtics. As we've discussed multiple times, and we just discussed, the East is up for grabs, especially with whatever's happening in Cleveland, coaching changes, you know, is Kevin Love going to fit? Are they going to trade Kevin Love, which is what some of the, the kind of gossip has been. And I think the Celtics are missing a window here by not ag- aggressively. They they sort of acquired all these different assets for this particular moment. And I think at this point, it might not even be bad for them to overpay because they have so many assets, they can give an extra one that maybe it, it may not be the most fair trade on paper, but given the fact that, you know, big names only come available so often. And there's a few that are kind of available right now especially if you're looking at what's going on with the Clippers, kind of how that Blake Griffin thing is going to play out. That's sort of still up in the air. 
So if you're the Celtics and you're Danny Ainge, I don't I don't know why. Well, maybe you are. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not an insider. So you you better be aggressively making calls and trying to figure something out before this trade deadline to see if you can grab yourself a big piece while they're still available. And I absolutely agree. I just wanted to say with that too. I was looking at Boston, but it was giving me a headache because they have so many weird guys to trade. But I, I, I do yeah. think you're right. I think they should overpay too. I think now is the time to overpay. A because you know players like a Blake Griffin may be available, and B because you've set yourself up for this moment. And I mean, you don't want to be the guy who sets up for the moment and never pulls the trigger. We've seen this played out before, and it just never works out well. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few ideas in mind for them. There's a few big pieces. A couple of them are obscure that maybe people think aren't available, but might be available from the trade deadline. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have a few uh, Boston Celtics ideas of maybe some studs that they can grab. Speaking of studs, we are going to move on to the end of our show, the Fantasy Stud and Scrub of the Week, where we tell you the best and worst players in fantasy basketball. Andy, I will have you start. Who is your fantasy stud this week? My fantasy stud is the big rookie in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, we touched on him a little bit last week when we were talking about the Timberwolves. I mean, he's he's had a good week uh, fantasy-wise. They haven't won any games, but – He's put in a, a 26 and 11, a 19 and 13, a 32 and a 12, and a 21 and 13 game, and he's doing all this while shooting some uh, pretty good percentages uh, all around. Great free throw shooter for his age and his position. Carl Anthony Towns, my boy. So I'm going to add to that because I also want Carl Anthony Towns. The one statistic I had um, that I didn't hear you say was that I know you said he shot well from the floor, 66% from the floor last week on 16 field goal attempts per game. So it's not like you know, typical big man, you know, he's shooting threes, he's shooting jumpers, and, you know, he's shooting 16 field goals a game is, is a lot of field goals to shoot such a high percentage. Usually guys that shoot that high have that, like, six for eight kind of day. No, not not a cat. We're not calling him cat. Never mind. I didn't, read, I didn't mean to do that. So <laughs> the, the rookie monsters, my fantasy team, the rookie monsters, do appreciate your efforts since you are on my fantasy team. We are closing in on that first place. We appreciate the efforts from the rookie of the year. Sorry, Chris Asperzingas, it's not going to happen for you this year. Andy Flynn, who is your fantasy scrub? Uh, my scrub this week had to be Gerald Green of the Miami Heat. Kind of, I mean, he's had a decent season, but this week he's just been abysmal. I mean, he's had a game where he shot a couple games where he shot zero percent from deep, and that's really what they need him to do. Gerald Green, you're only on the floor to make threes and play defense. You're failing. Yeah, and and to have replay value and like a sick dunk because you can still get up. My fantasy scrub is Nick Batum. I just gave you the best French player crown last week, and how do you repay me? You go three for 20 from the floor in your last two games. I mean, at least you probably salvaged some numbers in that double OT game against the Kings earlier in the week, you know, the 129-128 game, 128 points. I'm sure you scored some. No, wait a minute, you didn't play. So what is your injury? Go get soon. <laughs> yeah. Get well soon, and the French apparently need you because you are the best French player in the league. So, Andy, before we go, you have to tell us who are we watching for next week. Next week. This was a tough one, Frank. I'm telling you right now that, like, We're I've really been trying. I, we are running out of teams. And the other thing is, is now you have me, like, I'm, like, subconsciously looking and trying to make sure that I don't pick teams that, like, play the Magic. Like, I'm, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eventually pick a Magic doubleheader team, and then, Frank, you're going to roast me all week, and, and I'm just not ever going to be able to live it down. But with that being said, and you're probably going to not 
necessarily love me for this one, but I think it's okay. time to watch. I think it's time to watch your your buddies from across town, the New York Knicks. Oh, that's no, that's a good one. I, I have actually seen quite a few Knicks games, and and I enjoy watching them. They're, they're good. Uh, they have quietly turned on Aaron Aflalo, the Knicks contingent, which loved Aaron Aflalo like three weeks ago, has <laughs> quietly just completely done a 180 and turned on him, which is just typical Knicks fans. I, I love you guys. You guys are the best. Uh, but but me roast you for about the magic. I'm like, what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? I would never do such a thing. I'm, I'm appalled by the accusation. But with that, we are going to end the end the show for this week. Uh, this is the end of our show. We will be back with you next week to continue our journey around the NBA. But we will end, as we always do, with the great philosopher, Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.